Good morning, fourth graders. I'm here back for our 14th, no, 13th, 13th reading. I'm getting ahead of myself and I hope you are doing well. I'm going to start back just a paragraph or two from where we left off. And if you remember, Philip was trying to do all the things that Timothy used to do and get things back to normal after the hurricane. With Stucat constantly around, I stumbled over him several times. I worked until I felt it was nearing darkness. I'd found one lone coconut in a massive sea grape and broken sticks. I opened it and ate the meat, offering to share with Stucat, who didn't seem interested. Then I made a bed of palm fronds and sprawled out on it, listening to the still angry sea as it tumbled around the damp quay and thinking, I must feed myself and Stucat now. I must rebuild the hut and build another signal fire down on East Beach. Then I must spend each day listening for the sound of the aircraft. I knew Timothy had already given up on any schooner, which was a boat, entering the dangerous devil's mouth. I was certain that the sea had washed away Timothy's markers atop the coral reef. And I was also sure that my guide vine rope leading down to the beach had been snapped and tangled by the storm. But now for the first time, I fully understood why Timothy had so carefully trained me to move around the island and the reef. The reef, I thought. How could I fish without any poles? They must have been washed away. Then I remembered Timothy saying that he would put them in a safe place. The trouble was, he'd forgotten to tell me where. I got up and began to run my hands over each palm trunk. On one of them, I touched rope. I followed it around to the lee side with my fingers, and there they were. Not two or three, but at least a dozen of them, latched together each with a barbed hook and bolt sinker. They were one more part of the legacy that Timothy had left me. He was always thinking of keeping me safe. The sun came, sun came out strong in the morning. I could feel it on my face. It began to dry the island and toward noon, I heard the first cry of a bird. They were returning. By now, I had taught myself to tell time, very roughly, simply by turning my head toward the direct warmth of the sun. If the angle was almost overhead, I knew it was around noon. If you remember, the sun is always directly above us at noon during the day. If it was low, then of course it was early morning or late evening. There was so much to do that I hardly knew where to start. Get a campfire going, pile new wood for a signal fire, make another rain catchment for the water keg, weave a mat of palm fibers to sleep on, then make a mat of palm fibers, a shelter, of some kind, fish the hole on the roof, not on the roof, sorry, the reef, <laughs> inspect the palm trees to see if any coconuts were left. I didn't think any could be up there and search the whole island to discover what the storm had deposited. It was enough work for weeks. And I said to Stucat, I don't know how we'll get it all done, but something told me I must stay very busy and not think about myself. 
I accomplished a lot in three days, even putting a new edge on Timothy's knife. By honing it on the coral, I jabbed it into the palm nearest my new shelter so that I would always know where it was if I needed it. Without Timothy's eyes, I was finding that in my world, everything had to be very precise, an exact place for everything. On the fifth day after the storm, I began to scour the island to find out what had been cast up. It was exciting, and I knew it would take days or weeks to accomplish. I'd made another cane, and beginning with East Beach, I felt my way back and forth, reaching down to touch everything that my cane struck, sometimes having to spend a long time trying to decide what it was that I held in my hands. I found several large cans and used one of them to start the time can again dropping five pebbles into it so that the reckoning would begin again from the night of the storm. I discovered an old broom and a small wooden crate that would make a nice stool. I found a piece of canvas and tried to think of ways to make pants from it, but I had no needle or thread. Other than that, I found many shells, some bodies of dead birds, pieces of cork and chunks of sponge, but nothing I could really put to good use. It was on the sixth day after the storm when I was exploring on South Beach that I heard the birds. Stewcat was with me as usual, and he growled when they first began to screech. Their cries were angry, and I guessed that seven or eight might be in the air. I stood listening to them, wondering what they were, and then I felt a beat of a wing past my face and an angry cry as the bird dove at me. I lashed out at with, with it I lashed out at it with my cane, wondering why they were attacking me. Another dove down, screaming at me, and his bill nipped the side of my head. For a moment I was confused, not knowing whether to run for cover under sea grape or what was left of it, or try to fight them off with my cane. There seemed to be a lot of birds. Then one pecked my forehead sharply near my eyes and I felt blood run down my face. I started to walk back toward camp, but had taken no more than three or four steps when I tripped over a log. I fell into the sand and at the same time, I felt a sharp pain in the back of my head. I heard a raging screech as the bird soared up again and then another bird dove at me. I heard Ducat snarling and felt him leap up on my back, his claws digging into my flesh. There was another wild screech, and Stewcat left my back leaping into the air. His snarls and the wounded screams of the birds filled the stillness over the cay. I could hear them battling in the sand, and then I heard the death caw of the bird. I lay still a moment. Finally, I crawled to where Stewcat had his victim. I touched him. His body was rigid, and Stewcat's hair was still on edge. He was growling low and muted. (sighs) Then I touched the bird. It had sounded large, but it was actually rather small. I felt the beak. It was very sharp. Slowly, Stewcat began to relax. Wondering what had caused the birds to attack me, I felt around in the sand Soon my hand touched a warm shell. I couldn't blame the birds very much. I had accidentally walked into their new nesting ground, 
filled with eggs. They were just trying to protect their young. They were fighting for survival after the storm just as I was. I left Stucat to his unexpected meal and I made my way slowly back to camp. And that's where I'll stop for today. I think our next reading will actually finish the book. So stay tuned and watch our Google Classroom because I'm going to end up having some suggestions of our next book and letting you vote on them. So keep posted. Have a great day.